hello, hello, and welcome to episode 68 of Cutscene Convos. My god, episode 68. Mm. That's the year you were b- born, wasn't it, Hori? 68? That was the year, like the, the century. <laughs> um, we got a big episode this week. Um, another across Spider-Verse character profile, getting us very hyped for that coming out next mm. Friday. Um, we're going to be talking about The Flash's final trailer and some early reactions to the film. More so the early reactions, because it's been a bit of a mixed bag. Um, we're also going to be discussing how music elevates not just comic book movies, but movies in general, and um, how we're seeing that now even more in comic book movies. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who live under a rock, Spider-Man 2, the video game, was announced at um, okay. PlayStation Showcase last night. There is a lot to discuss. Um, we've also got a pretty jam-packed Nerd News Network before moving on to week two of the Content Championship. And this is our first matchup in our new bracket. And it is going to be the Clone Wars animated series versus the Ben 10 OG series. So make sure you stick around for that. But for, before all that good stuff, Horizontal, how's your week been? It's been a weird, like a wild week. I've had both very quiet days where I've got to chill and then some crazy busy long days. Um I can't like it's all blended into one. I'm trying to think where where I was. I mean my parents have been away, so I've had the, the house to myself, which has been nice. But uh what was it? It was like at the weekend on the, the Saturday I had to it was uh, a good grandson and uh, took my grandma to an appointment, which then British healthcare system. That was an all day job in the end. Yeah. yeah. It'd be yeah. Like that we'll, we'll, we'll not get into that, but yeah, NHS is great. Smile. Um, clap for them. <laughs> uh, and then work stuff, like weird work stuff where it's like, things changing so like having to redo some of the same graphics like over and over because it's like small like sponsor change or like oh we're now adding this and it's like just not like a huge deal yeah just a lot of revisions on things which is like fine it's just one of them one of those like situations where you can't really Mm -hmm. help it um also i've been working on your stuff Mm -hmm. which you teased on stream and then some stuff for our friend josh um I don't know, I've been gaming. You were, we managed to get your Valorant again. You did. It needing a whole new act or character change or redefining I have to say, what the game means. I did enjoy that evening. I played very well. And yeah, I was no, very you did. pleased in myself. You're, you're a bit shaky that first game, but then you moved back onto Killjoy and you were... Uh, yeah, <laughs> this is the thing. It's like, I was like, oh, let's, let's just go back to my main. Went back to my main instant friend. I'm thinking, why, why did I ever turn off? Why did I ever stop playing Killjoy? Even though the she got thing nerfed. Is, yeah, she's been nerfed like four times and she's still got like the highest pick rate. It's crazy. They can't successfully nerf her. It's gonna there's gonna get to a point where they either give up, which I think is what they've done now, or they're just gonna have to absolutely just bury her. Well they'll just come out with I mean, KO is generally a counter to everyone. Mm. But it's like I am the hard counter. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're going to have to come up. If they want to, I don't think they can nerf her any more than what they've tried. So they're going to have to come no. out with someone who just like hard counters 
like I don't know, an EMP explosion or something that yeah, like yeah. destroys everything, not alone just cuts it off. Um but yeah, playing Valorant. Still uh still been playing the farming simulator. <laughs> Connor's eyes roll as <laughs> he just hears me say farming that. Farming simulator. Could you be any more normal? To be fair, I'm probably about to go back on the Destiny 2 grind because the new yeah, seasons there was come a out. New expansion. Cade's back. One, so, okay. So, it's a new season, and then the Cade thing is them teasing what is the next DLC. Oh, yeah. So, each DLC has like three seasons, I think it is, or four. Three. So, they're already teasing the next DLC, and yeah, they're bringing Cade back, and it's Nathan Fillion reprising mm-hmm. his role which is very cool and i'm very excited for so yeah probably going to be back on the destiny bunch How, how's your week been has yours been less chaotic as well i am in a bit oh. of a um this is a phrase? long pause yeah i'm trying to not think of a negative word <laughs> Summer blues. I don't even really know what it is. It's just it's just a bit weird. It feels like the days going by really quickly. Yeah. But I'm not managing to get anything done because they're going by so quickly. But anytime Ooh. I don't have a really productive day, I feel like I'm just completely wiped out and I still have so much done. It's just weird. Yeah. No, um, I it, feel it feels that. like I'm just it feels like I'm like struggling to keep my head above water slightly. Um and there is that um Overarching feeling that it could just all um go to shit. All the all I those just... plates that you're spinning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Um, but other than that, not too bad. Um, it's kind of content-wise, we're in a bit of like a waiting period because, mm. like, from next week, it all just kicks off major style. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's get let's get a little calendar up here. So next Friday. Spider-Verse comes out. Yeah. Then two weeks later, The Flash comes out. Right. Then the Wednesday after that, Secret Invasion starts. And then mm. we've got that for however many weeks. Um. Then early July something comes out. I'm forgetting what. Then I go away on holiday. And then I'm back, and then it's Oppenheimer and Barbie. And it's just, mate, it's it's chaos. Um, And it's just like this weird, like, I'm sitting here waiting, going, we should definitely be getting stuff done here, but there's not a lot we can get done because we're just waiting for this stuff. Yeah, no, no, It's like it's... trying to prepare for stuff that you physically can't do anything for yet. Do you know what's funny? It's like it was this, roughly this period last year when we had the down period of MCU where we were like, huh, Let's add Star Wars into the mix. Mm-hmm. And we're like, this is great. And then it gets to the point. <laughs> yeah, and I, oh, let's add Rings of Power. And then it got to like midsummer and everyone was putting out content. And we're like, we're talking about three different shows a week. And yeah, they were every like, every show's coming out on a Wednesday. We have to binge them all yeah, on Thursday night. Yeah. It's, it was a lot. Couldn't like, Marvel, DC, like, do you want to just like just spread out a bit out. more? Yeah. Like, sh- keep us going on a more even playing field than just ramping it I don't It'd know be good. instead of watching six episodes a week we have like one every single week for the entire yes, year yes exactly um much nicer. anyway yes let's get into this 
So we've been um with across the Spider Verse coming up. There's just been so many Spider Men that we felt a need to get through. Mm. Um, but one Spider Man has really really taken the main stage over the last couple of weeks with like additional trailers and that coming out, and that is Spider Man India. So that is who we're going to be covering today. Um, okay. So Spider Man India, aka Pravit Prabhaka. I apologize if I fuck up multiple of these names, by the way. Um, it is not my native tongue. I will do my best. Um, first appeared in Spider-Man India number one in January 2005. So, mm-hmm. like, he wasn't made for Spider-Verse stuff. Okay. He was created as his own character well before Spider-Verse stuff was really a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as, like, they wanted to try something out. So Not against it. No. So th- he is definitely a bit different to the version we're going to see across Spider-Verse. Okay. Um, because Pravit grew up in a poor village um, not far away from Mumbai mm-hmm. uh, with his Aunt Maya and Uncle Bim. Um, after getting a scholarship for a school in Mumbai, they moved to Mumbai. Right. Um, he was relentlessly bullied at school with the only person who was nice to him being Mira Jane. Um, and the main villain was the local crime lord, um, Narlin Obri. <laughs> it looks like it's supposed to be based off Norman Osborne, but I'm not sure about the pronunciation. Yeah. Um, and he was, he was the local crime lord. Um, and what he had been doing was searching for an amulet um, right. to perform an ancient ritual during which he then became possessed by a demon and it released other demonic-like spirits out. Is that also cool? Um, one day, while being chased by classmates, Pravit encountered an ancient yogi who bestowed him with the powers of a spider. So this, uh, this version of um, Spider-Man wasn't bitten by a spider. Interesting. Um, However, he didn't use these powers to intervene and stop a mugging um, not long after he got them. Um, but his uncle tried to intervene, which led to him being stabbed and killed. Um, so the death of Uncle Bim taught Provit that with great power comes great responsibility. Um, while he does have a very similar rogue gallery to Spider-Man, as in he has a Doctor Octopus, etc. Uh-huh. Um, they are all more demonic in their styling. Right, okay. So instead of Doctor Octopus having four metallic arms, they're mm. more like fiery demon arms and stuff. To go with, I think, more traditional Indian folklore seems to be right, okay, what yeah. they thought they were going for. I don't know how accurately they managed to pull that off. Yeah. That seems to have been what they thought they were going for. Um, he then later joins up with the Superior Spider Army, just like uh, Spider Punk did mm-hmm. after the um, Donny from Earth Zero Zero One, who wanted to kill all the Spider Totems, started hunting people. Oh yeah. Um, so a lot of these characters have come together in a story before. Um, interestingly, after meeting Peter Parker of Earth Six One Six. Mm-hmm. Um, Pravit became very nervous that actually he was a copy and not an individual 
because their stories are so similar, he felt like he didn't matter as much. And it was actually Spider-Man UK who um, explained to him that while we might all be similar, we are all special and unique in our own way and we all have something to offer. Mm -hmm. Um, Which will um, be interesting to see how that might be portrayed in Across the Spider-Verse. Because um, in Across the Spider-Verse, he's like in the bit we've already got of him. He's very bouncy and excitable. He's also not from Mumbai. He's from New Mumbai City, which seems to be like an amalgamation of Mumbai and New York rather than just Mumbai. Okay. Um, so there's definitely been some changes made. One of the big changes is the design. Oh, okay. He looks nothing like how he looked in the comics. They've done a brand new design for him, which is much better for Across the Spider-Verse. Okay. Um, and I'm actually quite excited to see um how his character does and i think it's going to be very very interesting to get so many new spider-men oh yeah um, in this film it's very exciting to see like these ones that we're covering the character profile but also there's like going to be some very obscure and then just some fun ones yeah so yeah it's gonna be great very cool um right Mm. the flash yes that's a look of concern. I am so confused. <laughs> I think I, so is DC, but that's. I uh... have a lot of hope for this film. I still have I, a lot of hope. Well, for this yeah. Film. So it seemed, and like this was memed on Twitter to fuck as well. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of high-profile actors, writers, directors got very advanced screenings of this film and some press people yeah and they all seem to adore it and it was almost like they should have had hashtag add in their tweet (laughs) some of them because it just felt laid on too thick and then we got the first kind of early like influencer Mm. screenings and it was a really mixed bag now, I did a little bit of research on the people, and I don't want to say people are writing reviews with ulterior motives, but the people who seemed to hate it had a lot of restored the Schneiderverse propaganda <laughs> across their feed. Right. Whereas the people who seemed to enjoy it didn't. Now, that might just be a case of the people who enjoyed the Schneiderverse films, this isn't their cup of tea. Maybe. It could be something as simple as that. But it does seem like this, I mean, this film is going to be controversial no matter what, purely because of the presence of Ezra Miller. Yeah, agreed. Um, but the people who are saying they like this film are people whose opinions I trust. So I've I haven't seen the ones where it's like the influencers, but obviously saw all the like directors and stuff, which like you said, it felt a bit like hashtag ad because of how thick they were putting it on. I also yeah. think though, there's definitely an influence of, oh, I'm friends with the director or like they're friends and it's like, well, I'm going to support their project. It's either that or this film is genuinely a masterpiece. Well, I've, it's one or the other. I've seen like a couple of mixed bag 
people that have been like, it's a great film, but it hurts itself in some of the ways it's edited. Like, it seems like some of the editing to it and like chopping it, or like it's too choppy in places and things like that. Like, the issues where we've said a lot of these films struggle in the, the third act or whatever. Um, I'm wondering if there's they're the ones that are more weight to actually what this film's going to be like. It's like, yeah, it might be a great film, but it's going to have some issues. And the ones that are like, oh, this is rubbish, are the ones that are just so, like, too, can't look past those. Or, like, it's influencing them more. I also think the Zack Schneider thing, it could be a case of those friends, like, fans of that are, this doesn't fit in the Zack Schneider universe very well. Or like they're too too much being influenced by like, this doesn't feel like it connects because they think it's still all meant to I have a feeling Okay that people who started to enjoy superhero content because of the MCU are not going to like this film. And people who've enjoyed superhero content predating the MCU like mm. your Batman Returns and stuff like that, and your your old Superman films and your Christopher Nolan trilogies. I think they are are more likely to enjoy the film, and okay. I think the reason for that is the people who liked MCU films liked just that they liked MCU films, and they're not willing to see a different style of superhero film that doesn't fit into that neat little box for them. I think I've been pretty vocal recently that I actually want to see comic book films be a bit more aggressive mm-hmm. and try new things. Yes, and I think have. that's exactly what we're going to get. Yeah, potentially. Um, I'm, I'm still very on the fence with this film. I, I think that is the right opinion to have, but I need to blindly hope that it's going to be a masterpiece <laughs> for my own sanity. Uh. I hope to be pleasantly surprised, but I think if I walk out of there being disappointed, I also won't be surprised. And like I've said, we've I've said more so I think than you, but at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything because we're going into a new DC. Yeah, and it's like um, if it if it's great, cool. We got a great Flash film. If it's not, it's not the end of the world. I'm sure James Gunn will happily use Flash again in the future. I don't think this film's going to deter him from using the Flash if it does poorly. Yeah, do you know what I think? Like, it's like a really weird, like, it has nothing to lose. It's an unhealthy kind of mindset from me here. But seeing the Flash show finish with this film coming up, part of my brain's like, if this film goes badly, they have a perfect excuse to just go no Flash content for a while, and that Mm. is not what I want. I think I I trust enough in James Gunn that like he has very and I think we can both agree that his, like his choices so far on what characters he's going to be using have been very good. I trust that he will see a place for the Flash in all of this. He's not like it might not be we get a Flash anytime soon again, but like I don't think it's going to be like. That's it for Flash for a while. I think he'll be closer than we realize. 
I think we get a Wally West flash instead of a Barry Allen flash. Which Quite possibly. Which wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. No. It's a possibility. But, um, do you know what I haven't heard anyone talk about in regards to the flash? Okay, go on. The soundtrack. <laughs> smooth. Thank Silky you. smooth. Um, because... I mean, it's no surprise after watching a James Gunn superhero film that my um, thoughts drift to music in films. Yeah. he's one of the very best to do it. Yeah, he is. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy is prime. But you can use music effectively in films in a number of ways. Like Another one of my favourites for well-used music is Edgar Wright and the Cornetto trilogy. Okay. Um, because like you've got a number of scenes in his films where he uses music really, really nicely, like in Shaun of the Dead, in the uh, bar yeah. scene where they're trying to get the jukebox on, and they finally get it on as the old man waddles out as a zombie, and they're all beating yeah. him in rhythm. Um, and I mean, I don't think it's like particularly nuanced or interesting to just say music can enhance and hurt a film. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. But I think it's. I think we can have a more nuanced discussion than that. Well, it's. I think. You can do it like two. There's two levels to it, in my opinion. It's like, you can have a great soundtrack and great choice of music, and it yeah, it will elevate the film, and you'll do, you'll you'll hit those emotional points with through the music that you want. Then there's like Guardians of the Galaxy level where, like for Volume One, that soundtrack became kind of iconic for just the mcu like everyone heard those songs and was like oh guardians of the galaxy like it brought in and they were 80s songs if i remember correctly so it's like james gunn being very smart was like he used this idea of like a mixtape from a set time period and picked very iconic songs but yeah. also fit perfectly into the thing and played them in in a clever way and like weaved it into the story itself. So it was more than just a soundtrack to the film. It was also part of the writing. Um, um if we just go back to my Edgar Wright example quickly. Yes. Just because I, I said the Connecticut trilogy, but you've also got Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which yes. famously uses music. Yeah. You also did Baby Driver, where the entire premise was music. Yeah. Um, Attack the Block. I'm not sure. Did you ever watch Attack the I Block? I did. I've seen it a couple that's of times. That's a proper. That's a proper British rogue film. film that I don't think outside Britain many people know. Do you? Are you aware that John Boyega's in that? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when yeah, yeah, when he obviously appeared in the trailer for Star Wars, I was like, oh shit, it's the Attack <laughs> the Block guy. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like. Edgar Wright is very big on his use of music, but he used it in a very different way to like a James Gunn, who's mm. like, James Gunn uses music to punctuate a scene, yes. whereas Edgar Wright uses music within the scene. And it's more how the characters interact with the music for Edgar Wright. Yes. Whereas for James Gunn, although the characters do interact with the music, it's more about what that music can do to elevate the audience's yeah. feelings during a scene. Agreed. It's like, what both are just trying to pull the audience in in just different ways Mm -hmm. and i do think for 
comic book movies especially like it's a very good like another like example from like the mcu that i i think is iconic is from iron man when he um cues the music i forget which song it is now exactly is it uh black sabbath when he starts building this first yeah mark two and it's like that song comes on and you think it's like it starts to add for comic books it adds like a it helps bring culture because comic books reference a lot of like actual real world culture yeah yeah um, they're huge on pop culture it's, yeah. it's their bread and butter so tying like pop culture music in just adds to that and makes total sense for comic book movies but i mean even if you go as far as to look at the black panther soundtrack which was done mainly yeah. by kendrick lamar and others some phenomenal bits of music in there but as well into the spider-verse yeah um what's up danger which was used in the um ascension scene mm -hmm. i cannot listen to that song without no. like mentally going back to that mm -hmm. scene and fi i like recently on twitter there's been a trend of like oh what would you love to wipe from your memory to be able to like see again for the yes. first time just that ascension scene would be enough yeah. for me because that is like masterpiece and if they somehow managed to create a scene that good in regular cinema it would win all of the awards and the fact that it was animation costed them like being respected as much as it should be is crazy um but i i guess my question kind of is do you think there are any directors who would be more well respected if they used music better hmm Probably, but I don't know. None immediately come to mind where I'm like, ah, they've got poor. Or like they, they, like, they... The, the funny thing is, like, we talked about directors using songs that already exist. But if you look at, like, George Lucas, the man went and got John Williams, mm. the man who hoops out Oscar winning soundtracks and scores to score star wars and star wars has some of the most iconic music of all time true i yeah that's also another point it's like if you get the it, the score is incredible enough like the film itself can make the score be like i mean christopher nolan works with um hans zimmer a lot doesn't he? yes that's someone i was just thinking of hans zimmer has done a lot for like of uh scores for action films and stuff and with and yeah, like, I'm trying to work out how many films Hans Zilla and... Is, was it just Interstellar they worked on together? Or was no, I think they've done Dunkirk, more. Inception. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's it's interesting. What you get is you get you get your Edgar Wright and you get your James Gunn, who, although they do, it, do do it slightly differently, they take songs that already exist and put them to a scene to, like, punctuate yeah. the scene. Or you get a Christopher Nolan and a George Lucas who have tight working relationships with these phenomenal composers that who just come out. up with just some of the most beautiful music ever perfectly designed for a scene. Yeah, for like, like a this, scene in its emotions. Yeah, to this day, people still talk about like the metronome when they're on the water planet on Interstellar. Yes. And that like tells you how much time is passing and stuff like that. Um, Do you know something else that's just come to mind of like 
more similar in like how James Gunn and Edgar Wright. Uh, Stranger Things. Look at the last season of Stranger Things with Running Up That Hill. That was an old song, like forgotten about. Like, yeah, sure, it probably came on every now and then at people's like playlists, but that song was they they used it in such a strong way in the show that then it brought it like a new life to that um that entire song and brought it within the charts again so if you like if you can find the right song and like tie it and like really write it in like it does elevate things a lot more Mm. and i mean i know like everyone likes to give michael bay a bit of shit (laughs) but his use of music at the end of the Transformers films, and don't get me wrong, I know the Optimus Prime like speech with the music and like yeah. the shots all go together beautifully. But to this day, you get people memeing it on Twitter, and it always goes hard. Yeah, it's it's. Perfect. You get some of that like early two thousands kind of like emo punk, like building up to this crescendo before you go into the credits, and it does it gets you pumped. Um. Like we've you know, discussed it a number of times while gaming, there are some songs that you, you like listen to them at the right volume, and it gets you so pumped you feel like you could punch down a brick wall with your bare hands. Yeah, there are certain songs that, through whatever, like whether it's period of time or through films, like songs that are in Michael Bay, like they're obviously just unknowingly tied to that like hype up emotion, like feeling. So then you just hear it, and you're like, oh shit, I like it's go time. Do you know what's funny about Michael Bay, though, you bring him up? It's like, I feel like people forget, like, he has great scores and song choices and things like you say with Transformers. He's completely, like, no one really talks about that because everyone thinks Michael Bay, explosions. Like, he's just overshadowed any of his other abilities with his use of explosions. (laughs) What was the one that was used by Sam Raimi for the first Spider-Man? I can't remember who did it. I think it was, um, was it Nickelback? Oh, I don't know. I know Nickelback get a lot of shit. Um, <laughs> Nickelback get a lot of shit. They produced some banging chart songs in such Hero. a short period of time. It was literally called Hero. Oh, okay. Um, that's another one that goes really hard. Um, and then you had one for Amazing Spider-Man as well. I can't remember who did that. That was enough. And like for a little while there, and it's a trope that's come out of superhero films, that I would be very okay with it coming back. Where you do have like this kind of song that's like really quiet, where like you get them final shots of the hero going out to hero again, mm. like like the iconic Spider-Man final swing, which is why the songs probably work so well. You get a building to this, and you get to see them getting ready to go through New York, and then just it goes quick, you just get a massive hit, and it's just yes, um, I want that to come back. It's not often I want like a trope. Trope, thank you. To come back, that is a trope that I could that I could live with for the rest of my yeah, life. Yeah, I'd, I'd be fine with that. Because it does go hard. And you know what as well? I don't think people realise at the time, but I think people are probably aware now. I think that increases the... You know how just when you're leaving a cinema, you have that initial feeling about a film, and that might change over the next few days? That mm. last feeling is so important for how a film yeah. was received. I think that carried a lot of the early 2000s superhero films because they all ended in that way. You're left with like this upbeat song that's getting your blood pumping. You leave feeling that was fucking awesome because that song and that last little scene is still so ingrained in your mind. 
Well, let's look at the the most recent film, which was Guardians of the Galaxy. That that final song, and they're all dancing as people will leave, yeah. like as they go their separate it's, it's ways. Still, like the most popular song on Twitter, um, on TikTok at the minute. Yeah, it's like the the final moment. You either want a cheer, or you're gonna want like if it's a film where you want them to be really emotional about the ending, or sometimes like you want to end on a laugh. And like, I think films that do that, like you say, like it really actually heightens how well it ages. Yes, I think because of it how really, people really rethink about that film. Mm-hmm. Um, but right, moving on. Should we talk about something that has got me ready to spend hundreds of pounds? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm surprised you haven't already got a PlayStation. I'm surprised you were able to hold yourself off till they came to PC last time. Yeah, so. We're talking about Spider-Man 2. So, when Spider-Man came out initially, Mm. I was fighting demons to not buy a PlayStation 5. (laughs) I was like, you can't buy a PlayStation 5 just to play one game. Mm -hmm. And then by the time Miles came around, I was unemployed. So I was like, well, I don't have a choice. Um, and then with Brain being the way Brain be, I'd kind of forgotten about them. And then they came to PC, and now I know what I'm missing out on if I don't get a PlayStation 5 for Spider-Man 2's release. Yeah, you've played it now, so now it's like, mm. you know what? You're going to see... But, um, after that announcement, while we were playing Valorant last night, me and Luke, Luke was like, I will speed run that game in like a week, and then I'll drive my PlayStation down to you so you can play it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, a, fucking bet. What a legend. Um, but yeah, no, this... So, Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man Miles Morales, I made no qualms about when they came out during the existence of our podcast on PC, yeah. and I played them, how they are two of the greatest games ever made. Yep. Um, yep. Spider-Man, yourself. as a character, is just perfectly built for video games anyway. Correct. Um, and then what Insomniac did and went, okay, yeah, cool. It might be easy to make a decent Spider-Man game. But what if we make a fucking phenomenal Spider-Man game with a good story and phenomenal character design and everything else? Um, and, I mean, everyone's been waiting for this Spider-Man 2 announcement. They have. Do you know what I do kind of love? And it is actually a good thing. With Craven the the Craven film coming out this October mm-hmm. I was worried that the reputation of Craven the Hunter was going to be destroyed this game is going to protect that reputation well my first note is can we get them making the Craven film because yeah. if anything it looks like Insomniac like, fucking gets Craven. it's wild that like let's be real Obviously, so it's Insomniac that making the game. It's not like Sony is having the say, but it's like it's wild that Sony is going to be making a shockingly bad, potentially bad Craven film. But then we've got Spider-Man Two coming out, where Craven looks fucking incredible, and how Craven should be. And well, it's really interesting because I didn't know this until earlier today. The game rights for Spider Man are still owned mm. by Marvel and DC and Disney. Oh. It is simply a they, PlayStation deal. 
yet it's a PlayStation deal through in so so the reason these game stories are so good is because Sony don't get to fucking touch them. Ah, uh, it's still Marvel like, oh, this is what you should do with this is how Craven yes. should be done. Yes. Okay, that makes a lot more sense then. Mm-hmm. But do you know what that does mean? Well. Oh, we already put a conspiracy hat on. Oh, here we go. Spider Man came out in twenty eighteen, the game. Mm-hmm. Then in 2021, we got Spider-Man No Way Home, which featured six villains, a kind of sinister six, if you will. Uh Uh-huh. And the main villains of the Spider-Man game was the Sinister Six. Okay. Um, Now in 2023, Mm -hmm. we are getting a game where the villains mentioned by name or association are Venom, Craven and the Lizard. Yeah, we know a Craven film is coming, and there is a Spider-Man film due like late 2024, early 2025. Mm-hmm. And people are begging for Spider-Man to face off against Venom. Well, let's add to this conspiracy. In the end of No Way Home, we had the the Venom got TP'd away, and he left a little drop, a little splooge of a venom symb- goop. Yeah, symbiote, or whatever you yeah, want to call it. symbiote. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if that makes more his way to New York... <laughs> more interestingly, in the documentation and writing surrounding this game, Mm-hmm. This Earth is giving its number in Marvel continuity. Okay. So it has a multiverse ID. Okay. And it's coming out four months after Across the Spider-Verse, in which we know the Insomniac Spider-Man design is in the game. And they mention Doctor Strange and that kid on Mm. It's mm. all it's all tying mm. together. I swear to God. I swear to God. We are getting at least voice acted, potentially live action parts from Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and Toby Maguire in this film. And this is the last time I want that to happen. It was hype for No Way Home because we hadn't seen them in so long. Yeah. For Across the Spider-Verse, it makes complete sense. Yeah. After that, leave it for a while. Because it's still the same actors. It's still the same characters. After that, leave it until we're like in our 50s. Well, I'll be in my 50s. You'll be in your 70s. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Referee. Just... And we've had two or three new Spider-Man actors and then bring them all back and give us something to really be hype over. Well, do you know what? Okay, so playing off of that, we've got completely sidetracked from Spider-Man 2, but bring them, like you say, bring them back for Spider-Verse, voice acting or whatever, and put them away for a while. And like before the show, or before recording, we, we discussed and I said, or we were saying how we think Miles Morales should be the face of the MCU when it comes to time. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you could do that when Tom Holland's stepping away from Spider-Man, it's like a handing of the reins. 
obviously introduced before that. What if it's like the the point when that happens, if he's like struggling with like he needs to like kind of step away or whatnot, like that could be the moment where they come back again because he needs their advice. And they would yeah. be older. So they can be like, well, we've stepped away. It's okay. And then that'll be like big full circle moment, wraps them all up and they all get their like payoff at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, we also got to see some of the quick swapping yes. between Miles and Peter in game, which was fluid AF. Yes, it was. And I really liked how they showcased that with the idea of like, oh shit, that's a cross to I just kind of get there. And it's like, oh, you can just swap to Miles. I'm wondering, is there anyone else they might let us swap to? Imagine a DLC for this game where you get more Spider-Verse characters. Gwen? It'd be so lit. I'm trying to think who else they could like add in that's like... Oh, just swap over to... I don't remember the way GTA 5 did it back in 2013 was fluid as fuck for the time. Yeah, it was. Don't get me wrong, they did it in a very smart way, and there was random times where it would take a little bit longer because the systems just weren't as powerful. But they still did a really good job. With the speed and power of the PS5, brother, I genuinely won't be surprised if it is 100% as fluid as shown and they haven't made it look more fluid. So I have a hope... I won't be playing the game because I won't be getting a PlayStation, but I'll see people play it. I kind of hope that obviously there's going to be story moments where it's like, oh, I can't get across town, switch. But obviously the idea will be you can probably switch at any time when you're just like free roaming. I really hope you can. If that's the case, I hope like you can switch to Miles and he's just like sat on a rooftop mid eating a burger and you're like, oh, oh. Oh, it's uh, yeah. go time. <laughs> or like he's like on the street taking a selfie with someone, and then it's like you switched them, and it's like you're catching them mid act or something. Yeah. They could have some fun with that, and I hope they do. But also the abilities that were showcased, there was a lot. The way they showed it off is so good. So, um, couple of bits mm-hmm. that I've seen people discussed on the interwebs. Traditionally. The symbiote suit doesn't use tendrils when Peter's using it. So okay. people are a little bit weird about that. Don't really care. Yeah. Um, people. Some people are saying it looks a bit too weird and slick. And like, there was two schools of thought. That it's like, well, yeah, it's an alien symbiote. Of course, it doesn't look like cloth. And then other people are like, no, in the comics, the reason he wore it was because he thought it was just cloth because it looked like cloth. Um. So, mm. at the end of the day, we've done more outrageous things. I'm actually what what people need to be reminded of. Everyone wants to sit there as Spider-Man fans and go, "The Raimi trilogy is the best trilogy." Yeah. If the Raimi trilogy came out today, you motherfuckers would be flaming it for changing how his uh, webs work. Yeah. The true. Raimi trilogy, if it didn't have nostalgia behind it, would get torn to pieces by modern superhero film fans, or superhero fans in general. Yeah, we need would. to take the kind of 
thinking we had towards the Raimi films forward with us. In the sense of, did I enjoy it? Did I feel like the characters were presented in a way I like? Was it an enjoyable film? Yeah, and it's like if there, is, if there is a slight change, has it really taken away from what it's supposed to do? So it's like exactly. him using tendrils. Is it the same? Is it like how it was in the comics? No. Does it make a lot of sense for a video game to do abilities that way, visually? Yes. Hell yeah. So exactly. sure, it's not the end of the world. Also, like the way it looks. I mean, it's it's. You also don't know, like, you're going off what we've seen where he's already wearing it. How do you know that it didn't present itself as, like, a cloth-looking thing? And yeah. it's just... And uh, let's let's be real. There's going to be a suit in-game that is, like, a comic version of it, which is just going to be, matte, like, a, a matte slick matte yeah. black. So if it really bugs you that much, you're going to be able to change it anyway. Yeah. I can't wait. Because, remember, they did, like, 20 suits in the games mm. anyway they're going to probably do more suits this time but they're also going to have normal spider-man suits they're going to have venom spider-man suits and they're going to have Miles suits probably there's probably going to be like nearly a hundred suits to unlock in this game are you ready for like a spider-verse styled suit i, ju I just well they had them yeah, but in like... miles they had a spider-verse suit which was sick now you're going to get it it, it, it changed the frame rate of the animation of your character when you were swinging to make now, it look now like you might get a spider verse venom suit <laughs> don't don't um but yeah there is a real chance that depending on financial situations <laughs> i copy ps5 <laughs> or i deal slash borrow luke's ps5 to grind the fuck out of the game buy a capture card so that i can stream it and then never give him his ps5 back it's taken about <laughs> 200 console games to CEX and you might get about 20 quid off it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm very, very excited for that. I think it is peak Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're someone who plays games but doesn't normally like like action games, like more like adventure games, and you find yourself getting stressed out by the combat, please play these games anyway and just put it on the easiest difficulty because the story is so damn tight in the first two and i'm sure it will be in this one as well yeah. that if you're a spider-man fan but like the amount of fighting that you have to in the game is what puts you off whack it on the easiest difficulty no one who's actually a fan is going to give you any shit for that and if you're worried about that just don't mention it um yeah. and enjoy this experience anyway please i implore you Do you know what's wild this game is going to give us a better craven story i know it hurts film. so much and the film's gonna come out and everyone's gonna go eh, spider-man 2 did it better you know do you know what the good news is though it means the layman is gonna fully understand why absolute nerds like me are so angry yeah. they're gonna get it yeah everyone's gonna yeah this thing they're all gonna play spider-man 2 and then they're gonna be like oh craven film they're gonna be watching oh, that's that. gonna be sick <laughs> huh S sorry he's protecting animals <laughs> He's a vegan? <laughs> I've just seen this man try and eat Spider-Man's heart. What do you mean? He's just ordered an oat latte. <laughs> Excuse me? Um, another thing that you may or may not have seen on Twitter, but everyone is begging for. So Shocker was one of like an early game boss okay. in the first, first Spider-Man game. Yeah. Everyone wants 
a recreation of the scene from the animated show from the 90s. So when he gets the black suit in the 90s, basically mm. the voice actor Spider-Man did a very similar thing to what Yuri's done for this, which mm. he, just, he just makes his voice a bit more gravelly and a bit more intense. Yeah. Um, and with 90s voice acting for a kid show, it is a bit quirky and funny, but it's still quite good. And he, he's chasing off the shocker, and he just says some of the most out-of-pocket shit while he's in the black suit. So he's like, you can't run from me, shocker. I'll tear this place down to find you. You just see shocker fucking booking it upstairs, looking like, fuck this shit, I'm out. And everyone is begging for that to be made an Easter egg. Oh, that would be quite good, actually. Because it would just be so, so funny. Because you're like, you know, the trend at the minute, it's like, oh, so and so has the chance to be the funniest thing ever. And it's mm. two pictures that make no sense. Everyone's like, what are you talking about? Someone did that, but with the shocker and Spider Man. And they're like, it, no, but for real, you have an <laughs> opportunity here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, very, very good looking game. And I cannot wait, um, A, to watch playthroughs of it, but also hopefully to get my hands on it and not wait till 2025 to play it <laughs> um especially with pc or playstation pc ports of late i'm not even confident that um insomniac will go free for free and make it a good port yeah and also for my own sanity i need you to play it so i don't have to hear about the pain you're going through on a daily basis of not me just sitting here watching my ninth different I'm like, playthrough well, it's like, a streamer just crying into it's gonna be the, like style podcast like oh how's your week could have been it's like oh i still not played Spider-Man. <laughs> i've watched 10 different people play the same mission <laughs> but hopefully yeah. not my, my ideal situation there we go <laughs> would be just before the game comes out they announced their ps5 pro and they mm -hmm. offer a really good deal for the PS5 Pro and Spider-Man 2. So I buy that. I also buy rebuy Miles and Spider-Man. And then I book a week off work and stream all three of them back to back to back. <laughs> and then I don't touch my PlayStation again until Wolverine comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Just shelve it. Yeah. Um, nice. Anyway. Shall we get on some nerdy news? We shall. Um, the order of this is not ideal. I tend to try and leave the light, the heavier news towards the end. Yeah. But it is definitely the most biggest piece of news. Um, Ray Stevenson, mm. who is playing... I don't know if we know the character's name yet, but a big role in the Ahsoka series. I think we did. There's people that did work it out. And I can't remember it because we discussed it on the podcast. But um, he plays a big role in the Ahsoka series that's coming mm. up. He's also voiced a number of characters in animated Star Wars stuff. Mm. As well as playing one of the Asgardians in Thor's little gaggle um, yep. in the first two Thor films. And was, a number of other roles. He was also in Black Flag. I don't know if you yes. ever saw that. Yeah. Um, has sadly passed away at the age of 58. Yeah, which is not old. No, not old at all. I mean, it's younger than my father. Like, it's really, really yeah. young in 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 the modern world. Mm. Um, it's come as a big shock to a lot of people in no surprising way. I don't think anyone's ever ex expected no, to hear of someone's like death. That. Um... But I think 
it says a lot about how talented a professional he was the the speed at which so many very high profile people he's worked with have mm. come out to comment on how phenomenally hard working he was yeah and it's it's such a, especially with Ahsoka coming up and like we've talked about how excited we are for Ahsoka and he's playing like this Sith guy and what's probably going to be an incredible role it's such a shame that he's if that's a character that was meant to continue that he won't get to continue on but I'm also it's kind of in a way glad that he'd finished doing Ahsoka so at least that's yeah. like he gets to go out doing Star Wars which um, yeah and I mean Star Wars was a big part of his career and he loved it a lot yeah. him and Dave Filoni were very close and he enjoyed working with him Um, but I definitely think it's going to it's going to hit quite hard because we've been led to believe that this character might be a very three dimensional antagonist with the teasing of the orange blade and what that kill, not mm. the orange blade, like a red orange blade and what that yeah. could mean. And he looks like he has a major role in some of the show. Um, so it's going to be very sad. And as his last works, I think it's going to get potentially even more eyes than it was going to get out of people mm. who want to pay their respects by watching his last work. Agreed. Um, in something that doesn't feel as massive comparatively, HBO well, Max have absolutely shit the bed with their launch. Really? I would never have expected that. That's a um, shocking news. I felt like on the day the launch happened, every five minutes, or every 30 minutes, when I'd go to just check anything, I'd see more information about something else that has been cataclysmically done wrong. Do you know what's wild? Well, I didn't even know it launched. I mean, to be fair, it's not launched for us, so that's not necessarily yeah, as large still. a surprise. Um, so, first and foremost, the issue started when everyone who'd switched their um, subscription over found out that the app wasn't just going to be updated, they had to delete and re-download a different app. <laughs> Why? The, Why? <laughs> do you know what that screams? Incompetence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's like, oh, we have this team that's like managing the HBO app. We're going to just get a new team. We've got this new team building the new HBO Max. We'll just get them to build a new app rather than like trying to find, figure out a way to like build it as an update. And that's just a case of like, well, someone will have gone, hang on, why didn't we just add this as an up? Like, why have they got a whole team in to build yeah, an app? I, I, I don't know what they thought they were doing, but it's bad. Um, and then, even better, some users were apparently charged for the old service and the new service. <laughs> Classic. So apparently people, some people, mm. who didn't opt Cancel. into auto-transfer yep. 
got charged one last time on the old service, which they shouldn't have been, but for some reason they did. Um. And then obviously they bought the new service separately, mm. so they got charged for that. So when they flick a switch to turn that, yeah, they assumed everyone would either just fully cancel, or oh, a hundred percent HBO was like or opt into their auto switch. People... But it doesn't seem to have happened for everyone, which makes it even dumber. Well, it'll be a case of like, oh, people will auto transfer, or they'll just cancel. It's fine. We'll leave it. It's, like it's not going to be an issue, or like someone's not even considered that like it would be an issue. And then if someone in HBO is probably like, we'll just leave it because maybe we'll earn a few extra pennies and maybe no one will notice. Like, these guys won't notice that they've got charged twice. They, they're subscribed to all sorts of streaming services that are stopping them being able to afford a mortgage. Yeah, it's, what a mess. it's, it's outrageous um, how they've done that. Um, the tagline, which isn't a horror show, in of itself it's not as big an issue as the other two but it's fucking laughable okay you ready mm. max for streaming hbo <sighs> do you like, know bro, what why do you even bother with the rename here's the thing right something like that after we saw the rebrand and the and the just like the ridicule the graphic design community has given this whole rebranding like, it does not surprise me that this tagline is as bad as the rebrand. Like, it, the whole I, thing's... A... It just feels like this entire thing has been organised by 95-year-old white men in a boardroom. Really? It's literally, it's gone, hmm. We feel like we want to look... So they're like, we're launching this new, like, this merger. We need to rebrand. We, we need... This needs to be, like, a big, fresh thing. Yeah, but what do we do for a rebrand? Hmm. We'll just keep it the same, like, like twist it around a bit, like, it'd be fine. Yeah. Cut off there, like, so we'll call it Max, like, it sounds big and epic. And it's like, okay, and then tagline, well, I mean, it's the same thing, well, it's just... Well, I don't know it's for HBO now, so we better tell them. Yeah, like, like, honestly, this is going to go down... And like at least the graphic design, like when your kids are gonna get taught graphic design, it's like bad corporate rebrands. It's like this is why was this wrong? All the reasons that this rebrand was a mistake. And then it's like you're looking up and this is a reason all these rebrands were great. And it's like a brand that did great off of it. Well it'll be like the old FedEx logo that everyone used to get shown. It's like, can you see why this logo's so cool? Once you once we show it to you, you'll never see the logo the same again. It's like that arrow in the yeah. E and the X. Yeah. We're like, oh, that is actually really cool. And then you've got Mac. So, what is that for? For streaming HBO? It's like, what? That shouldn't be a tagline. <laughs> you dumb bot. Honestly. Um, and then to top it again, off. it's not. It's not a huge issue, but it's just a bit of controversy you don't want around a new service. Well, it's like on top of everything that was going on. Yeah. So with the user account, similar to Disney Plus, you can choose a character to be your icon. Woo! Um, so they've got some of the Justice League Unlimited icons. They've got some of the Titans icons. And they've got some of the Justice League icons from the Schneiderverse. <laughs> the thing is, there's a bigger mission. There is not Ray Fisher Cyborg available 
as an icon. And this, realistically, has been decided that it's because of Warner Brothers' unhappiness with his uh, hauling out bullshit on the set of Justice League once Joss Whedon took over. Mm. Um, and calling out Joss Whedon for racist abuse. Um, so his image isn't there, but Ezra Miller, who is dividing the community and is, I believe, still facing criminal cases, yeah, his flash is available as an icon. So, as an outsider looking in, you could make the argument the literal criminal who is waiting to be tried is allowed to have an icon still, but the man who called out racism on set of one of your films isn't. Yeah, but they've got one to... could make the argument that's but, how but that Con- looks. But Connor, as as the person at HBO here, we, we have to advertise the Flash film that's coming out. How will people also, know if they can't have an icon on our new streaming service? It's just so funny. Want... Realistically, I'm sure it's probably more a case of they they might have to pay Ray Fisher for his likeness if it wasn't in his initial. Th- this contract, was I was going to play. Like, no, you can't use my face. I was just going. I was going to say something like to to play like the side of maybe DC isn't in the wrong here. Maybe wild thought. But, I know, but it's still not a good look. But it's it. like <laughs> they probably need agreement from Ray Fisher to use his likeness, and maybe he doesn't want to give them that because of previous things fair enough if that's the case that's fine but don't put ezra miller in that just like choose not to have ezra miller either and then people would have been like oh okay they haven't got ezra miller and ray fisher probably didn't want them using his face but because they Um, put ezra miller's in it looks worse Realistically, it probably is the whole likeness rules. They didn't get his agreement in the initial contract for his likeness for something like this, and he didn't want to give it to them now, which is completely fine. But, as with everything in the world, you've got to look at how it's just going to look for 30 seconds in front of someone on Twitter, and it doesn't look great. No. Uh, I want to start a petition to add just James Gunn's face so that we can all put James Gunn's face as our support for his upcoming... DCU. Mm-hmm. I um I absolutely cannot wait um to see how much worse this potentially gets. Mm. Especially if they start launching it like in the UK. We'll see. Um up next. Oh, mm. I'm I'm gonna let you mainly run with this one. Secret invasion posters. Okay. Talk to me, Mr. Graphic Designer. So I haven't seen the new ones. Oh, have you not? So I should um, probably look these up. I meant to do it before and I forgot. They Posters. are very, very cool and I think you're going to be in love with them. Because I've only seen the, like, ones that, like, the, the ones we've already seen, if that makes sense. I'm presuming if I put it on Twitter, I will find it. That's literally what I'm looking for now. Hey, guys, I'm sending you the tweet that has all of them. They're like in a thread. Oh, okay. I think I saw one of these. Ooh, so 
This is their way of showing us who and who isn't scroll. No, no. It's just they've done it for all of the main characters to go, you can't trust anyone. Hmm. This is yeah. where they've done it to do that. So you're like, oh, we they're, they're teasing everyone, so it's not going to be all of them. And then it turns out to be all of them and more. It would be cool. Um, but yeah, I, I just I th I I assumed as uh, your creative self, you would love this. It is very well done with like the cutouts of like certain scroll elements and the yep. characters. It is. And it's just like, oh, who is who? You'll never know. They are leaning so heavily into this secretive yep. espionage mm -hmm. spy world. I cannot wait. I hope they do a good job. And I mean, going off the fact that Marvel themselves tweeted, "Who can you trust?" with the, the posters yeah it's it is a very cool idea and like you say leaning into this idea of we don't know who's going to be what um definitely one of the more cool poster designs that marvel's come out with they're getting better i think after doctor strange we seem to have been on a bit of an up uh, i think they realized how over the big head posters we are Yes, people kind of called them out on it around that time, and it was just like, okay, maybe we need to start. Yeah, because what Marvel kept on doing for a while was they just did the boring big head poster until the film came out, and then they'd release like alternative design ones, which were sick. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, why didn't you start with that, you idiots? Yeah. Give us creative posters. Let's be honest, at this point, Marvel doesn't really need to market their films that heavily. So just no. do the creative posters. Because they're actually going to be the ones that get people talking. Well, look at the... Obviously, the, the podcast can't see this, but the, the Chinese poster for Spider-Verse. Yeah, they've exactly. They've got, like, a traditional Chinese artist to do it in, like, that style, and it looks but I mean, sick. even even the main Spider-Verse poster, which is Miles upside well, down with all the characters behind him, yeah, it's a Faces poster, but at least it's, like, different. Yeah. Like, they are... Getting better with their marketing, which is uh, one thing Marvel's doing good at. Yes, it is. It is. It is. It is. Um, talking to Marvel. Hmm. MCU. Yes. Iron Man. Coming up on fifteen years since it came out. Which is wild. That it's been fifteen years. Fifteen Back years. When you were like thirty-five. The first MCU film came out. Two in a day. Two in one day. There was a third. Actually, yeah, no, there is a third. Uh, God. Yeah, absolutely ripped you today. Yeah, I'm just going to rip it. these arrows out of me. It's fine. Like, uh, but yeah, 15 years. I mean, I was, what, yeah, 12, 13. Um, I was eight. Wild that it's been that long. Wild that that film kicked all of this off. Yeah. Um, Marvel put out a little one-on-one -on -one style kind of chat thing with um, Kevin, not Kevin. Why am I blanking on names? No, it was Favreau? John Favreau and it was Kevin and John. Yeah. Um, John Favreau was blanking on me. And they were chatting about making iron man one and kind of like what it was like 
when they were in the process of doing that. And they talked a bit about like uh, John Favreau jokes is that ah, oh, this is going to keep us busy for the next 10 years. And it's like, oh, well, here they are 15 years later, still going strong. Um, and like they kind of, when you think back, Iron Man 1 had a incredible cast. Really? Yeah. It, like yeah, it had, yeah. it had such a strong cast and they were like, if if it had died right there, like it would have just died as a great cool. Iron yeah. Man was a great film. Sweet. What was next? But like it turned into to something more, and I think it's pretty cool watching them just chat about it for a little bit. So I definitely mm-hmm. recommend anyone should go watch that. Yeah. Um it it'll be um it'll be weird to think in five years we'll be getting like twentieth anniversary celebrations. For the first MCU film. Oh yeah, we really are. Wild. It's gonna be crazy. It's wild out here. Yeah, I've seen every MCU film in cinema, and before I'm thirty, we're going to be celebrating the twentieth anniversary of the start of it. I think there's only one I've missed from cinema. Really. Yeah, I don't think I saw the second... I didn't see the second Spider-Man in cinema. I didn't see um, Far From Home. Yeah. That was a good film. I know it got a lot of hate. I think it was unjust. But um, an even bigger anniversary news. Yeah. 40 years since Return of the Jedi. I was what now? <laughs> um, Rory had just had his first beer. <laughs> my first beer. Yeah. I was going to make a really out-of-pocket joke <laughs> then, and I would just uh, stop myself because that's not appropriate for the podcast. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know. Four years since Return of the Jedi as well. Yeah. Like, and we were just talking about, like, last week about the Star Wars films and rate ranking them and whatnot, and it's like, yeah. they've aged. It still holds up. Yeah, it still holds up four years on, which is a testament to George Lucas and what he built. Yeah, yeah, they were so, so far ahead of their time. It's unreal. Yeah, it really And is. the problem is, growing up, we'd watch it, we'd be like, oh, this looks okay. Not realising, compared to what else was coming out at the time, mm. that it was mind-boggling. Yeah. Like, that's um, that's the thing, right? It's like nowadays we kind of we watch them back and we're like, oh, these hold up really well. You don't yeah. have a perception of like when this was releasing in cinema, this was like nothing people had seen. The original trilogy, for the most part, looks better than the prequels. Yeah, practical. Practical. And, it's all practical. And, that's yeah. why. And that and that tells you everything you need to know. George Lucas mastered the balance very early on of practical with dummies and puppets and then you touch it up with and CGI. Miniature. Yeah. And a lot of miniature if, work. If you take them skills today and use them the exact same way, you wouldn't mm. even know. You wouldn't even know. It'd be so good. Imagine if Marvel went to the kind of miniature, highly practical and then CGI to touch it up. You'd never hear another complaint again. Well, I know it's probably the most expensive way to do it. Do you, well, let's, my let's, God, it'd be so good. Let's look at like what is the 
the modern day version of what Star Wars did back then is like what they're doing with Mando with the um Oh yeah, with their special stage with the walls yeah. that yeah. With the virtual stage. Like that is they still use a lot of practical and they've just found a way to add in digital, essentially in a practical way. To make and it's like Imagine they went back now. Like, imagine they lean, start leaning into doing miniature work on a virtual stage. Like, it just looked like it was, at, like, it would look one hundred percent real. You know, do, do, are you ready for my the best analogy I've ever made? Well, here we go. The original trilogy is to um, special effects what Avatar thinks it is. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, Avatar Obviously, is all the CGI. Levels are different. The levels are different. But what Avatar thinks it's given to special effects is what Star Wars actually did give, as well as also actually being good films. Well, Avatar has helped push CGI. Star Wars helped push v- VFX as a whole, and that included CGI, practical, like compositing like star wars pushed everything whereas i would say avatar has pushed cgi just as strong but not necessarily like everything but i think avatar just showing how good cgi can be has actually hurt industry more than helped it yes and no it's it's allowed i would say that the benefit avatar has brought is it's like the studios like wetter and stuff that have worked on it and had to develop these tools to like improve their simulations has meant other films have looked better it's like it's it's that first person like because that's what star wars did as well like at least with the prequels was when they were learning cgi it's like it was a lot of they built their own tools to do a thing that they wanted to do which is what avatar does and then it's allowed it to like other films to then oh they can go to another film like yeah we can do water effects now like like a mate like realistic water effects what do you want to do i've got got kong and godzilla fighting in the ocean cool no problem um but yeah shall we move on to uh the first battle of the content championship yes our new new segment still fresh off the press yeah we get we gave a little taster last week so if you uh want to get up to speed on how that works go watch that Mm -hmm. i agree this week We've got the Clone Wars, the animated TV show. Mm. Up against Ben 10, the OG series, also an animated TV show. Both aired mostly at a similar time. Yeah. You ready to get into this? Here we go. I'm I'm ready. I already have my, like, thoughts on my... Yeah. So, reminder of the uh, categories that we discussed to rank. Yes. Personal relevance, how well it is aged, and rewatchability. These are very individual and objective categories. Mm. Then we have three more analytical, more subjective categories in story acting and cinematography although we do need to think of a better word than cinematography because it's more just the visuals all together and how it looks yes um 
which is more than just cinematography. Um, so these are what we will discuss for each of them, and then we will use the information we collect to decide what is better. Um, I think that about sums up how this works, Tori. Do you agree? I would agree. Awesome. So, with that said, Fun. should we get into the personal relevance? Oh, do you just want to crown Clone Wars now? No, no. I think this is closer than you're, you think it is. I think you were too old to fully appreciate Ben 10. Maybe that's the case. Not the fact that Clone Wars is the superior show. Um, personal relevance. I mean, you say this about being too old. And my, my one of my points I put down as a note was like, I wasn't much of a Ben 10 kid. I think I, it came out, I'm, I've looked it up. It came out in 2005 to 2008. And Clone Wars was tw 2008 to technically 2020, but the last season was like huge gap. Yeah. I was just, I, it's like that weird high school age where you kind of slowly are watching less and less cartoons or like less and less CBBC and like that, that time period of yeah. TV, like time slot. So, I mean, for me, personal relevance, like, Clone Wars holds out way high, like way more. Like I don't really have much of a hold on Ben Ten in that category for me. Mm -hmm. um, That's es fair. Especially on top of like just my love for Star Wars as well. So I'm um, in personal relevance because I've written notes for both sides this week. Oh. Um, Clone Wars. Um, it's iconic, and it elevates all other Star Wars media with the mm. context it adds to the world. Yep. Um, but with Ben 10, it feels like the last genuinely unique piece of children's media, as well as being fun and different and just perfect energy for what a children's cartoon should be. I, yeah, I could agree with that. I can't think of anything that's come out since that isn't. Star Wars, Marvel, like a big brand that already existed that is that unique and well put together. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't either. Yeah, like it's actually obscene how cohesive that universe is. I wonder, it probably isn't really that many, but I wonder how many, like, if there's writers from. Ben 10 went on to be, or like people that worked on Ben 10 went on to work for like MCU and stuff because it's like, I wonder, working on a bigger universe. Um, also, when I was younger, before my voice dropped, I could do a mean forearms impression, fuming that my voice dropping in puberty ruined that for me. Um, forearms was one of the aliens he played, one of I, the original 10. Do you know what's funny? It's like, I know that, I just have no recollection of what he sounds like. He, he, he was red and he had forearms. The Almost. naming was brilliant. I mean, we can't complain about naming when Marvel oh, no, has no, Spider-Man. Yeah, but like you had Accelerate, who was really fast, and you had Heatwave, who was on fire, and Ghostface, who was a ghost. At least they don't do alliteration. <laughs> brilliant. Um, how well is it aged? I so his kind of leaning back into not much association with Ben 10. But like I, I appreciate that it's still discussed and still somewhat loved as like a oh Ben 10 was a great show when I was younger. 
I would say, for me, like in my opinion, though, Clone Wars has aged a lot better because of what it added to the prequels, what has been kind of even elevated in Clone Wars through other shows and like things we've seen from like Bad Batch and Rebels and Kenobi, like and Mando, like all these things that have pulled things from Clone Wars that then have, I feel have made it age even better. And I mean, that final season. Like, it had time to age, and then they dropped the final season, which was a beautiful way to close out that series. Yeah. Um, so I have a couple of thoughts here. Okay. Um, so Clone Wars. Age is better with every new Disney Plus show at the minute. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of Disney Plus shows at the minute use a lot of the Clone Wars references. Yes. However, there is too much filler in the Clone Wars shows. There is a lot of arcs that you don't need to watch. Now that might change, but at the minute there is a lot of filler shit. But go on, no carry on. Um however with Ben Ten, franchise has mainly been left to die. Um there was two straight to TV live action films done. One of them was okay, one of them was terrible. I can't remember which one's which. Um, and there was a poor reboot a couple of years back. You know, like they do with a lot of iconic children shows where they reboot it with a new animation style and it looks horrific. Mm. Yep. That. Um, so I don't... Ben 10 itself, the show, has aged just fine. But they have done a lot to hurt the franchise since. Yeah. And, like, even though you say Clone Wars has a lot of filler, I just hear there's a lot of potential, just un- unaged yet content. Like, it's primed for aging because you're just waiting for Star Wars to go, oh, by the way, here's a reference to this one random episode. Now has all the meaning in the world. <laughs> I know. I, I get that. And that's why, like, it does age better with every new Disney Plus show, which is what I said. But at the moment, there is still far too much filler shit. And there is no way all of that filler shit is going to be turned into meaningful content. A lot of that will be because no. it was a children's show and they wanted 24 episodes a season. But the stuff that isn't filler has aged like a yeah. fine wine. 100%. Rewatchability. I'm, I'm going to go first here. Okay. Clone Wars? Meh. Ben 10? Even more meh. <laughs> My notes. They're, they're, oh. that TV shows are, as a general part, inherently more difficult to rewatch on films, yes. I think. Agreed. But also, the amount of filler means a lot of people, at least from my experience, who do rewatch Clone Wars, have episodes that they skip. And arcs they skip. They'll go, okay, this is that three episodes there, I'm just going to skip that. Which I think has to be a knock on the rewatchability of it. So my rewatchability notes was Ben 10, I don't care. Clone Wars would happily rewatch the important stuff and the entirety of the final season. Fair. So you you do agree with me? Is oh, there and even there more is, there? Well, there is a, like if I had the time and commitment, I would rewatch the whole and thing. There was because, nothing else like, new coming. Out. I would happily, like I could happily sit and rewatch the whole thing. I just don't have the time to do that, or like the spare time willing to spend on that. 
So if I was to ever go back to Clone Wars, it's like there is a rewatch list of like what episodes are the important ones for character development. And then yeah. generally all those lists go and the entirety of the final season. Yeah. I'd say the final season is the only season where you have to watch everything. And that is why it was 12 episodes long. Or whatever uh, it was. And I feel because the final season is so re- rewatchable, that trumps Ben 10 easily. Just that alone. Because I don't, I, I care le- like not at all to watch any of Ben Ten, but I definitely would watch the final season of Clone Wars. So okay, onto the story. Um, Clone Wars. Eh, it's just Star Wars. I'm joking. I'm not that <laughs> I felt your jaw. Ooh, ooh, um, I felt the fans <laughs> running down the streets. Um, has many smaller arcs, some of which are peak con- peak content, peak Star Wars, completely unbeatable. But as we've said a number of times already, a lot of the filler stuff is one hundred percent filler stuff, and you probably can't even remember the filler stuff. It's that, eh. Um, but even the filler stuff is still okay story. It's just nothing massively important. Mm. Um, Ben Ten, no skips. That's just. I mean, it's, it's three seasons, all of which is pretty important. It is yeah. no skips. It was designed to be no skips. Well, yeah. When it when it was getting to the point where they were running out of things to do, they went on to the next iteration of Ben Ten, which was Alien Force or whatever, where he was like a teenager. So, I didn't really point him for Ben Ten because I don't know really what the story of Ben Ten is, other than he has abilities and he can change to aliens. Little boy gets space watch that gives yeah. him the ability to transform into ten different aliens who all have basically one superpower. Oh. It gets more convoluted because he starts to unlock new aliens. Oh, okay. Ben Ten would have made a phenomenal RPG. Yeah, I did not um, try and make a game of it at one point. Yes, there was, and it was actually very good. Um, by the end, there is a future version of Ben that comes from the future to help. That is Ben ten thousand, and he has ten thousand aliens he can transform into <laughs> because he's unlocked the full power of the Omnitrix. Oh, yeah. Which, because the Omnitrix is like a weapon that was designed for like space police, right? Got you. And it accidentally got fused to him, got you. Um, and then eventually he proves he can be trusted with it, and they're like, "Fuck it, kid! Here, have all of the aliens." For Clone Wars, I have. Like like we've said, a lot of fill and not so important story arcs. But I would say that the story, there is a very strong central storyline of Anakin's growth and his development as a character. And the story, although the what went on wasn't maybe very memorable, it did an excellent job with its story of making you fall in love with the clones and actually yes. giving some weight to each of them as an individual. The Clone Wars turned Order 66 in from a moment from Revenge of the Sith that's kind of cool to the most heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching, yes. horrible thing that at every opportunity they throw in our face just to get cheap emotion. And I feel like yes, 
spend tons of no skips and you can watch like watch it all for the story it probably has a very cool story but i do feel like the the strength of that central storyline of like anakin and lit knowing the clones let me put it this way clone wars has peaks and valleys blend ben 10 is a flat desert you know what you're gonna get with ben 10 and you're not gonna be disappointed but then peaks in clone wars are just so so damn good mm. they really are yeah um acting again i don't have a lot of notes here it's be voice tricky acting. when it's just voice acting yeah um clone wars better than the prequel movies there are some very, very sceptical bit of acting, bits of acting in the prequels. Agreed. Um, and then for Ben 10, I went for a TV show in the mid-2000s, it goes hard. And it really does. It's actually really good voice acting for a Cartoon Network show in the mid to late 2000s. Yeah, I mean, it was Cartoon Network. Like, they had their decent voice they, actors. They actually have a very good reputation for very good voice yeah. acting. You, you've got to give it to them. I would say um, with Clone Wars, there's majority of it's like, yeah, it's like it's better than like you say, better than the prequels. I'd say there's certain characters where it's like, um, like Darth Maul, the I forget his name, the voice actor for him. Yeah. He does uh, incredible as, um, Darth Maul, and even though like he hasn't got huge moments in that series, but him. Ray, Ray Whittower. Rich Whittower. Yes. And the voice actor for Kenobi in, Kenobi. The, se <laughs> in the series. Yeah, he's I mean, excellent. That's a very famous voice actor who's done loads of roles. So there's like the ones that were like their big name characters, I think they did in like great performances with their voice acting. Um, and I know Ahsoka's voice actor has. I mean, now that she's coming to live action, has played a huge part in helping kind of transfer that to the live screen. Yeah. Cinematography. Uh, yeah, so this is obviously for this going to be more about the animation styles. Yeah. Um, so for Ben 10, I went very traditionally animated, but the alien designs are flawless. Yeah. The, the the design for the aliens in Ben 10 is really, really good. Really, really impressive. I love yeah. the creativity from it. You can't you can't do much better. No, and um, Yeah, I would agree on that. And then with oh. Clone Wars, I said not massively unique. I don't think it does anything to really differentiate itself, but it is a very high quality animation nonetheless. Um and it makes sure that it's consistent. Yeah, so Ben 10, I haven't really got any. I just, I would agree on, like, the character design and stuff for Ben 10. As you say, very unique. They knew what they needed to create, and they, like, it had to be iconic, like, looking characters. Like, easy, it's, it's a kid's show. Like, they, they did, a, they nailed it with what they needed to achieve with that show. Clone Wars, I would say, kind of has, like, an upwards curve on, like, it starts off as like, yeah, it's nothing crazy. If anything, the the first season I would say was a bit rougher on them, like trying to find what animated Star Wars looks like and not because I know they did struggle with kind of 
going into it with the film mindset and that doesn't necessarily always translate in animation or get you yeah. the best things shots and stuff um but i would say by that final season like that final season of clone wars has some like incredible moments through animation just like with music and like the the final scene where uh, anakin's final what people call anakin's final moment when he goes to ahsoka's crash ship like those like moments very impactful through the animation even though it's nothing crazy like you say very high quality by the end of it yeah they didn't they didn't i think the best way to put it is like when it comes to like good food there's Mm. a couple of ways to good food you either take cheap crappy ingredients and a masterful chef turns them into something edible Mm -hmm. or you get really good quality ingredients and you don't fuck with them that's what Clone Wars did. It went, we are going to do really clean, solid animation. We're not going to try anything fancy. And we're mm. just not going to fuck with it. We're going to make sure that everything is clean, easy to look at. We we don't want to do like an anime studio where we try a brand new style. That's what they ended up using Visions for. Yeah, We're going to do a very consistent style that's easy to maintain, but we're going to make sure it is of the highest quality. Mm-hmm. Um, So you can't fault it. I mean... As much as I love Ben 10, Clone Wars does win. I think Ben 10 does deserve more respect than you were giving it, though. To be honest, for the most part, it was me trolling. Mainly all came from, I wasn't a Ben 10 kid. And then like I think we said at the beginning, like I was at that age. I was at the age where it's like it started coming out, but I was kind of past it. Yeah, Um, I get that. So I've never given it much time or weight so because of that it's like i have no attachment or anything to it whereas clone wars is like huge i love clone wars i think it's done phenomenal things for the star wars franchise um past and present like it's fixed a lot of things and it's set up a lot of new stuff that is just producing how many episodes are there of Clone Wars? No, no, Ben 10. Oh. The original series mm-hmm. was four seasons of 13 episodes. It's only that? 50 episodes of the first I was gonna say, original that's like series. 50, 52? Yeah, yeah, 52. It was, like, it was like tight. It didn't fuck about. So I have that. And then... Clone Wars then is 133. Went, yeah. <laughs> and then there was 52 episodes of Ultimate Alien as well, which is where he's a teenager. Right, which okay. was a lot, which was really, really good. Um, I would love it if maybe not a Marvel, but like someone with enough money mm. bought the rights to Ben 10, turned it into an ongoing comic because that could slap, yeah, and then gave us a high quality animated show, yeah, it could be so damn good. Um, but yeah, that is our content championship for the week. Um, and first of the bracket. Yeah, our first winner is uh, Clone Wars. We don't know who they'll be going on to face yet, but they'll be facing someone eventually. They will, and it'll be interesting to see if anyone is strong enough to to get indeed, away. indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, next week we're going to be having X Men Origins Wolverine versus someone 
because I am behind and haven't worked out all of my picks yet. Yeah, kind of, kind of reminded me to do my picks and then uh, yeah. didn't do it. Yeah. Well, what this is? What, what timeline is this? We're in? we're in a new branch. There's a new <laughs> branch has formed. The TVA is going to be arriving at your house yeah, in a minute. Down the door. Yeah, you're just going to see a portal open behind you. And that's yeah. how the episode's going to end. Just. See, Tom, you said that, so now you have to edit that in, dipshit. Well done. <laughs> just going to see Tom Hiddleston step out behind you. That would be such a hype way to see Tom Hiddleston being in next week's episode. Imagine. Just some... I've just realised the voice actor for Ben Tennyson. Oh, yeah. Yuri Lowenthal, the voice actor for Spider-Man in the Spider-Man games. I mean, he's also the voice actor for a lot more. Well, yeah. But <laughs> that's just funny. Uh, wow. So, yeah, uh, that is it from us this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see you next week for episode 69. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, fun, funny numbers. Was... I mean, after this one, we're not so going to get another funny number until we're like 90. So. <laughs> On episode 8,008. No. 80,085. What about 420? Well, we're, yeah, we're going to go to LA for that episode. <laughs> we're going to record it in LA. Go, why wouldn't we go to Amsterdam? That's much closer to us. Because <laughs> LA. Because <laughs> LA. Because <laughs> we'll be at some uh, fancy Hollywood screening. Oh, okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. For makes, like, the finale of Marvel. <laughs> for uh, Spider-Man 73. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, that's it from us this week. We're getting really bad for closing these out. Yeah, we are. But it's um, we'll see you next week. Don't forget to like, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. Goodbye. See you next week. <laughs>